Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is an amazing day to be here with you, as always. Before we bring on this amazing guest that we have here in the studio, let's catch up. So, what's been going on in my world over the last week or so? Two amazing things happened. You remember a few weeks back, I told you that I had the opportunity to do a big corporate speaking engagement. It was a full-day training, and it went amazing. I got great feedback. Some of the people there, they actually said that they've never seen a group engage for eight hours straight for a training. So, you know, that was very humbling. And then they did a report on me on the seminar and how they felt that it went and came back in the 97th percentile, checking off every box. So much so that I actually received an email two days ago requesting me to come back and speak again. So I'm very excited, happy, humble to literally have that honor and be able to go back and do what it is that we do. Secondly, today I opened up my LinkedIn. I actually got a message from someone, a young lady named Emily, who was at one of my speaking engagements a few years back. And the message said this. It says, hey, Kevin, you really inspired me when you spoke at the Southwest Ohio Hobie seminar a few years ago. I still have the model. I am the brand I say I am written in all of my planners and posted on the ribbon board above my desk. I hope you're willing to connect so that we can follow each other's journeys. That right there almost brought tears to my eyes because it helps you in reaffirming that the work that you do matters and you never really know who's listening. So I think that it's super important for us to make sure that we do amazing things and look to impact people both positively and abundantly when we have the opportunity and we have the platform to do so. Lastly, I had the opportunity to go to the podcast movement conference in philadelphia pennsylvania i have to admit i really felt at home at this conference it was an amazing experience got to meet some really really cool and awesome people dynamic people so much so that i met these two gentlemen and i asked them to come into the studio well i didn't ask them we discussed it they were going to be in new york city and i said hey man you guys should definitely come on over to the show you know and check it out live so you know podcasters it's such an eclectic group of amazing people that just happy to have these guys here so ant and mark please say hello to the create your life family. Hello, everybody from uh, all the way from England. And hello, everybody. It's Mark from Ireland. So happy that you guys could make it. Tell us you, just real quick, 60 seconds, you know, how you felt about the conference and also plug your podcast. Okay. Well, th- it was the second year for me at the podcast movement. I went last year, took a real chance to get there. It was in LA. And for me coming from the UK, that was 12, 13 hours on a flight. It was a big journey to get out there. I felt so much love and so much inspiration and support there that it really pushed me on. And I went, I'm going to come back next year and be a speaker at the conference and I got the chance to do that and I do a couple of podcasts in the UK I do a soccer podcast if anybody's into that called On the Left Side so if you're into your Premier League or your World Cup you'll like that it's more like John Oliver doing Last Week Tonight or James Corden rather than uh, what you get on ESPN but uh, that's one of the shows that I do but I make lots of shows and
and at the conference I was helping people who want to launch a podcast but don't know how or are overwhelmed because of all the information and haven't started yet. Okay. And so for me, this is Mark's voice here. I met Ant last year at the podcast movement. When I met you, Kevin, this year, that was my third podcast movement. Okay. I think podcasts are an amazing community. Um, you have all these listeners out there. I know you guys both have like Facebook Lives and all sorts of interaction mm-hmm. with Instagram and so on. But for me to be able to meet hundreds of publishers and the whole industry in one week is, is really cool. In my case, I, I flew from Ireland for the conference. And so hopefully uh, see, see me for next year. When I'm not at the conference, what I'm building is actually not a podcast, but a podcast hosting company. So if you are out there and you're planning to launch your show, you should definitely check it out. It's called Awesound. That's A-W-E sound.com. And my whole thing is if I can help a few publishers individually reach hundreds of thousands of listeners, then I feel like I've had an, an impact through individuals because I can't be the role model for everybody. But if I can help people find their own tribe, then that's what that's what gets me going. Okay. So, cool to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. We'll create your life family without further ado we have to bring on this amazing guest that we have this gentleman is actually the new york city campaign manager at citizen action of new york He's also the engineer and co-host of let your voice be heard radio and since graduating from suny old westbury in 2010 he has dedicated his life to fighting for progressive issues and standing up for disenfranchised communities through organizing, activism, and storytelling. Create Your Life family, please welcome Mr. Stanley French. Stan, please say hello to the Create Your Life series. Good afternoon and happy Sunday, Create Your Life folks. Good afternoon, Facebook Live. Good afternoon, FM. And good afternoon, my two new friends from the podcast conference. Happy Sunday, beloveds. <laughs> beloveds. <laughs> That's my thing now. Okay. So, Stan, I want to jump right in, man. You are a native New Yorker, which I feel like is hard to come by these days. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? There's so many transplants. I'm a transplant from California by way of Atlanta. Can you tell us about your experience actually growing up in New York? I always feel like there's more than one New York that you live in. The New York that I grew up in was like East New York, Brooklyn, Brownsville. And it was a community that was like a lot of the people that looked just like me, but very diverse. So I just remember growing up, people that looked like me, hanging out with Dominican kids in the neighborhood, the Puerto Rican kids, the Middle Eastern kids, and like being in this huge melting pot where maybe we were all, we didn't have everything we needed, but we all had each other. And we really built this kind of institution where everyone had each other's backs. And I just assumed that everywhere was like that and everyone was just like me. And then you get to the rest of New York City and you see all the different shades and the experiences and the stories. And it's so interesting. As someone who was born and raised in New York and who was still here, it's been really exciting to see how things have shifted so much, but at the same time have stayed the same. And, you know, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to stay here the rest of my life. And if not, I'll move to Westchester. (laughs) (laughs) So with that being said, it means that you are in New York and for New York for good. Does that make you a Knicks fan, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad. Yeah. And are you a Giant or a Jet? Uh, well, I don't watch football anymore, but I was a Jet fan. Yeah, I don't watch football either. Yeah. So there's that. Okay, so how does your upbringing influence your work and your lifestyle? Real quick, I got to just make sure I do the New York meeting called the year. But, um, <laughs> what? I, like, I grew up dirt poor. I grew up dirt poor in a really rough neighborhood uh-huh. at the tail end of the crack era, but the height of the gang era, where someone right. from New York went to California and said, oh, snap, there's Bloods and Crips. We should do that here. 
So, like, that was my experience. And, like, I was a kid who had the holes in the shoes, who didn't always have the meal. So I've always just grown up with the idea of survival. You got to survive. So either you're going to find food or you're going to be food. Hmm. Coming up in this movement, whether it's been through education, whether it's through the work that I'm in now, I still have that mentality. And, you know, I'm not in the same financial situation I was then, but I still try to stay in that space of, like, you always got to be, you got to be finding food. If not, then, like, you're going to end up being food. And in some places it's good and some places it's bad because in some cases I can get very competitive because it's like if I'm not eating, you're eating. And that means I'm not eating. Mm. But in other places where everyone is kind of laid back, it's made me ready to go the extra mile, ready to do what someone isn't willing to do, and it's propelled me in my career. And I really think that whether you're going to work for somebody or work for yourself, you have to be willing to go ham, hard as a mother lover, any single time. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's helped. Okay. East New York, you're growing up. That's that's serious business over there. And you're saying you're growing up dirt poor. Who are some of the people that helped inspire you to say, hey, you know what? I can make it past where I am and what I immediately see. And also that defining moment. What would you describe as maybe that defining moment where you decided to switch lanes or, you know, paths to get where you are now? So I've been really lucky. I've had some really great teachers in my life. And I was always one of the kids who did pretty well in school, Mm -hmm. whether I tried to or not. When you come from those kind of communities, if you even show a semblance of potential, the community will pour into you. And in my school, I had teachers and administrators shoot the janitor. They were just like always just trying to make sure I stayed on the straight and narrow, whether it was Mr. Yard, who was my basketball coach Mm -hmm. and who was also my math teacher, um, Ms. Davis, who was my English teacher and would meet me in the mornings and we'd write. Whether it was Mr. Morris, the guy who fixed cars in my neighborhood, he didn't own a shop, but he was there all the time and he would look out for me. Those are the kind of people that really looked out for me. And the folks that inspired me, honestly, my dad worked in the city. I grew up in Brooklyn. So I thought that if once you got past Borough Hall on a two train and you got into Manhattan, that was the city. So that was my aspiration to just be able to ride the train past Borough Hall on the two train and get into the city and be able to belong there. You didn't really have a lot of people in the community specifically who I could look towards, but I looked towards people who were in sports. So Kobe Bryant was was my favorite player of all time. We share that in common. Yeah, and like not just because he's good at basketball, but because of the mindset that he takes towards playing basketball. Like me, you're food. If you're not food, I'm food, and that can't be the case. He works hard, he's meticulous, and he takes pride in being able to kind of like block out all the distractions and focus on the goal. And I feel like, especially coming from my kind of neighborhood, you really have to do that. But even when you do all those things, there's just just absolutely no way you can make it on your own. Not coming from where we come from, you need someone who is supportive of you, someone who believes in you, Mm -hmm. someone who's going to give you the push or the alley. There's too many people in those communities to name. Mm -hmm. Hell, there's too many people right now who believe in me and push me to name. But you just need that in order to make it. So, it's a village, man. Yeah. That's what you need. So that being said, you grew up where you grew up at. What inspired you to get into politics of all things? Your mission? I grew up in the crack era. So you grow up in these communities once again. And because it's all you know, these are your people. This is your tribe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anything was wrong with us, but I knew something was wrong. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know when you go outside at 7 o'clock in the morning that it shouldn't smell like gunpowder and there shouldn't be mounds of snow in June in the corner. And there shouldn't be a big pile of garbage with rats running through it. You should know just naturally that something is wrong with this. Mm-hmm. And at that age, 
you know, the way that I looked at it was something is wrong because no one cares enough to speak up and no one has enough power. So in the beginning, it was I need to accumulate as much power as possible so I can change things. Mm. So that's that's how I got into politics. And I figured out politics was the way that you move things, because even if you couldn't change things, you would have enough power through your political position to move the people who could. Mm hmm. Okay, so what was that defining moment that really shifted things for you? Because you said you, you know, were kind of straddling the fence, but yeah. what was that like that moment mm. where it was like, you know what, I'm going to change and I'm going to go straight to have influence and give a voice to the voiceless? Two things. One, I got into a beef I shouldn't have got into. Me and a dude fought. I won barely, and then we had some serious beef where my life was actually on the line. It went from just like being a kid who got into trouble, lied, and like did some stuff, to all of a sudden having real problems where like I had to behave a different kind of way, mm -hmm. and realizing like I don't have the stomach for this. I don't want to be walking around here where it's like kill or be killed. I didn't want that. And then two, around the same time, the MTA, the Metropolitan Transit Authority, they had said they were going to raise the train fares from a dollar fifty to two dollars. I couldn't afford to get on a train at a dollar fifty. So I remember I like I had a computer at home and like I wrote this whole newspaper with seven stories. It was all one single paragraph, all seven stories combined. Mm -hmm. And I, I organized a protest at the bridge on Livonia Avenue and no one showed up. And then I remember Crackhead was laughing at me. He's like, did you call anybody? Did you give anybody a flyer to invite them? I said, no. And I went home. And there was a rally at City Hall, and there were all these people there. And they were protesting the subway fares. And I said, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to change things. Because it felt like those people, people were listening to them. They were being heard. And not only that, it wasn't just, just a case of like having a captive audience. The people who were listening were going to follow instructions. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, I need to get to that. And I was like, I need to do whatever I can to figure out how to get to that space. I so, like yeah. that. And you know what's funny is I think that a lot of times people underestimate what you can learn from someone. Mm. And you said something that is super important in my opinion, because one of my big things is, is that a lot of times people who are, have a mental illness or who might be, you know, a crackhead, I've gotten some of my best game in life yeah. from them. And, you know, you never know where a person was prior to making a, the wrong decision or a decision that impacts them in ways that they couldn't yeah. have predicted. Otherwise, they would have made a different choice. So I think that that was important for you to highlight that. And then he actually gave you advice on, hey, this is the stuff that you need to do. Yep. That's super important to always highlight. You know, one of my best friends, uh, Josh Martinez, he says, eat the chicken, throw away the bone. So take what you can, you know, when people are giving you advice. But also, I want to circle back and say and ask, how did you get out of the beef? Honestly, it, it was never that serious. So the guy kind of just called it off. At, like, in the beginning, he couldn't because I had embarrassed him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I laid low, he laid low, and once things started to cool down, he just kind of called it off on his own accord because at that point, people weren't so hot. We weren't necessarily enemies after that, but we were kind of cool because at the end of the day, we were both just kids mm -hmm. trying to just trying to make the best out of a situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because of his affiliation and what he did and because of me and what I thought I was doing, it just made things bigger than it needed to be. You know, he's doing good for himself now, too. So I'm happy to say that. OK. Oh, that, how awesome is that? Yeah, that's a man. <laughs> a lot, like most of the people from my high school, and you know, I remember in ninth grade, a teacher came in and said, you're all going to be dead in jail or pregnant by the time you're 20. I remember that. I'll never forget that. Wow. And, you know, and she was dead wrong about every single person in that class. And not to say that these people are millionaires or billionaires. They're not. They're regular working class 
but they're making a difference every single day by just doing what they have to do, taking care of their kids and being a productive member of the community, which that's most people anyway. And when the bar is so low that they, people don't expect you to be a regular living person, it's an accomplishment when you prove them wrong. Mm, love it. What does it take to make it in politics? Oh, and man. what does making it in politics even mean? That depends on what you want to do. So one of my favorite shows is House of Cards. One of my favorite songs is Ten Crack Commandments from Biggie Smalls. And I think those two songs connect together to give you a perfect example of what politics is. In politics, if you want to accumulate power, you have to be smart. You have to be calculated. You have to have relationships. You have to have good follow-up. And you have to be willing to compromise Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. That shows up in different ways because we can compromise on legislation. I can say that I want this bill that gives all podcasters $5,000 at the end of every year, right? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) We want that. Yeah, and I'm pushing for that. And then somebody will say, listen, I'm not giving you five racks for podcasters. I'll give you three. That's my compromise, right? That's good. Let's say in New York State, the minimum wage is $7 an hour, but the cost of rent for a one-bedroom apartment is 1700 a month. So people who are working full-time jobs cannot afford to get housing. Mm, right. You have two sides of that. You have me who's pushing for this, like, yo, we got to raise the minimum wage. And these big business owners who say, that's all cool and stuff, but if I raise the minimum wage, instead of making $10 billion a year this year, I'm going to make five. I don't like that. So one side of that is like, do I listen to this person who's making more than enough money for themselves, but they're going to put money in my pocket so I can run my campaign? Or do I listen to this person over here who puts no money in my campaign, but has the moral side of the argument? And depending on what decision you make, with the, what, give the answer to the question of like what kind of power and what kind of influence you have. In this current state of politics, unfortunately, you're going to listen to that person who maybe they don't have the moral argument. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have the factual argument, but they have the dollar signs. And, and in politics, you need money if you want to stay in this game. Mm. So, yeah. So, with that being said, for you, how do you keep yourself from compromising, making sure that you can look at yourself in the mirror? Honestly, it's just a case of understanding that there's only so much accumulation of power that you're going to be able to get and also understanding where my power comes from. Mm-hmm. My power comes from communities. It comes from regular people. It comes from people like you, people like you, people like you. So, if I can, A, get you all to see how if we work together, we can build power. B, be able to represent your voice accurately so we're fighting for things we want. And then C, show this elected official or this business person that I have you as my power and that if if they don't get down, they will definitely lay down. (laughs) Like that's, you know, that's like, that's the way you do it. But then also understanding there are limits to that. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to expand it. Politics is all, all about organized money, organized people, organized dollars. And one side tends to have the organized money and they can buy the people. Mm-hmm. And they got the organized dollars because they have the money. So when you're working from the space that I'm coming from where you're not necessarily doing things that is going to benefit people with lots and lots of money or lots and lots of property, then you have to find a way to take those people that you have where we're so broke we can't pay attention mm-hmm. and put our pennies together so we have organized people and a couple of organized dollars. But, you know, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur and you're coming from nothing, it's the same kind of concept. So it's not very different from building your own brand mm-hmm. or your own enterprise. Got it. So with that being said, I know that there's some challenges that come along with this, right? You might throw a rally or you might be campaigning because you're a frontline activist. Like Mm -hmm. I've seen you and and seen articles and things like that written on you. How do you stay motivated when things get challenging or when some things do not work out as ideal as you would like them to be? I know how the sausage is made. And when you know how the sausage is made in politics, they always say everyone likes politics. And so you find out how the sausage is made, because Mm -hmm. if you've ever found like research, how a sausage is made, it's not very sexy. 
it's actually kind of disgusting. You might not want to eat a sausage afterwards. Mm. In politics, it's the same way. And there's so many interests of people who are just pessimistic. They don't care about the community. They don't care about doing the right thing or even the smart thing. It can be very demoralizing. So if mm-hmm. I just stood on those, I, I wouldn't be in politics anymore because the people are horrible, <laughs> just to be honest. It goes back to, once again, grounding yourself in the community and regular folks like the people in this room mm-hmm. because you have real stories, you have real experiences, you have real passions. And that is what keeps me going. And there's nothing more empowering than, you know, maybe we talked about this podcast stipend, right, at the end of every year. And you're talking about the ways that it could change your life. It could change your career. And we get it. Or hell, maybe we don't get it yet. But you go and talk to your first elected official and maybe you didn't think that you could talk to someone with that much power and be influential. And you see for the first time that your voice matters. That like and I help with that. That's amazing. You can't take that away. You can't quantify that. You can't put a dollar behind that. That is just emotional payment. So that's what keeps me humble. Okay. So I guess I want to ask, why are politics so important? And what is some of the biggest legislation that you are proud to have had a helping hand in? Oh, man. (laughs) So people say that they don't like to focus on politics. Let me tell you now, you are kidding yourself if you think you don't have to focus on politics. The personal is the political because all it is is just a policy of your every single day life. And it's really important to be spoken, to be speaking up about it or have someone who you can trust to speak for you. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, there are always interests out there who, if you're not speaking up for yourself, they're speaking for you. There's a company right now that's make patents on seeds. So if you're a farmer mm-hmm. and you try to grow uh, some corn, they can sue you for stealing their patent. So, I mean, yeah, maybe you don't care about politics, but politics will care about you eventually. Now, the piece of policy that I've been the most proudest of, this is one that just happened in New York City. Okay. We passed a bill, um, shout out to Corey Johnson, the Speaker of City Council, for fair fares. So pretty much what it does is if you live under the poverty line in New York City, you will now be eligible for a half fare metro card. Wow. Yeah. So this does not benefit me, unfortunately. I wish it did. But just people, low-income people. Mm-hmm. Like who, how you grew up. Like yeah, how exa- we grew up. Exactly. Right. I used to have to jump the turnstile or, or walk an hour and a half to get to school. Now, because of this bill, these kids will not. My dad had a job interview a couple when I was in my senior year of high school. He, he didn't have a car. He didn't have any money. So he had to wait until somebody swiped him on. And now he can go to this interview because there seems to be this idea that poor people just commit crimes because they're bored. No, they're trying to survive. And now this half-fare Metro card, so instead of paying $116 or $121 for a a monthly Metro card, you pay half of that. Or for a single trip, instead of paying $3, you pay $1.50. That can work. That changes lives. So I'm really proud about that. That's awesome. I want to hear about another one that you've done. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep going. Like, that, that is super impactful, man. I remember moving to New York. I had sold my car in Atlanta. And I remember I just had liability. It was like a little bucket. <laughs> and I remember the Metro car costing as much as my insurance. Yep. You know what I mean? We weren't even talking about gas and maintenance. And so that was like such a relief to offload the expense of a car. And so I can only imagine, you know, if you're a parent and you have multiple kids and, you mm-hmm. know, you might need to get to that interview or you might have some challenges uh, with your income at the moment. You know what I mean? How this could help just in the entire ecosystem, especially for underserved communities. Yeah. So that's awesome. What's another piece of legislation? Well, and I'll tell you, but just real quick, also entrepreneurs. 
Because when those people who are afraid to quit their jobs to start their business, quit your job. The metric card ain't that bad, beloved. Now you can afford it and like do your thing. Um, mm-hmm. Another one, and this one I'm excited because of the entrepreneurship opportunities and the criminal justice opportunities. Mm-hmm. We're pushing a bill to legalize marijuana in New York State. Now that's just the tip of the iceberg because we want to legalize marijuana in New York State, but also we want to expunge the records of anyone since 1979 who's been in jail, got a violation, or got arrested for a marijuana violation. So cleaning millions of people's criminal records and then we want to take the money we get from marijuana legalization and invest it into communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the criminalization of marijuana. So all of a sudden, what you could be seeing, I grew up in East New York and Brownsville. I lived in this building called Tilden Houses. It was 27 floors. The elevator always broke. I lived on the seventh floor. So I would walk down the stairs, which was very dangerous at the time, so I can get to school in the morning and you see people selling weed in the staircase you can have a fortune 500 company in a tilden house communities of color one of my childhood best friends when he was 16 got arrested for smoking weed that's it spent three years in rikers didn't get charged officially of anything just couldn't afford the bail was never the same so now those same people who have spent all their times in jail the piece that they've been hustling on the side illegally for they can make money on and they can become millionaires or even billionaires. Hold on, but will they, because their record's going to be expunged, they won't yep. still be a felon. Okay, got you. That is very interesting. How do you feel about the entire legalization mm-hmm. of marijuana after it's actually impacted so many communities, especially those of color here in the yeah. state, negatively? Well, well overdue to do this thing. We've hurt millions of people, literally millions of people, and we have a chance to do right by them. But not just that, because listen, this is a capitalist country, and all people, all this country cares about is production and dollars. And production equals dollars, but certain types of production equals dollars. And the communities of color are historically underemployed, and not necessarily because they don't have the skills, but because there's still lots of stigmas of being a person of color. So now let's cut out that middleman, and now we can create an opportunity to make money off of this industry that's not just recreational, like alcohol is, but also it's actually pretty good for people suffering from cancer who can't get appetites. That's great for weight loss, that you can use the materials to build paper. You're talking about transforming things in a real way, but we have to do it the right way. Because if we don't do it the right way, it'll work out like the way it did in Colorado where it's legalized and people are making a lot of money from it. Mm -hmm. But the people who are impacted, poor people, Mm -hmm. people of color, they can't even touch the industry. They can buy the weed, but they can't sell it. So there's no parity there. Love it. Okay, well, Create Your Life family, we are going to cut to a musical break. And I want you to know that you can call in 212-650-6903. And you also hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Laundry, a podcast editing service that gives podcasters more time to be creative by handling the dirty work of editing and all of the behind the scenes work that podcasters hate. If you're a podcaster, check out our services and purchase a package today. Spend more time doing what you love and let Podcast Laundry do the dirty work for you. Visit podcastlaundry.com for more information. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are in the studio back at you with Mr. Stan Fritz, who is doing amazing things. And definitely he, before we left, he actually told us some of the things that some of the bills and legislation that he's had the opportunity to work on and make great and making things affordable and having more impact in our communities. Stan, in addition to being an activist, you are a dedicated writer. What are some of the pieces that you have written and are most proud of and Remind us of that teacher who you used to write with as well in high school, man. You, talk, you mentioned her a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah, Ms. Davis. I love Ms. Davis. She used to make us sit in class for the first 40 minutes of class, and she would put on an album, 
and let us write while the album played. And she loved India Ari mm-hmm. and she loved Queen. <laughs> so it was it was like okay. a weird combination. So it was either Queen like or India Ari, but we would listen to that and just write. And she was really an inspiration for me because just at the volume and the precision she could write in, mm-hmm. it was breathtaking. And writing has become, which is one of my venues to vent or to think through things or to have conversations because, you know, I like the sound of my own voice, but most people don't after 35 minutes or so. <laughs> so <laughs> I can kind of write and extend that life. The writing that I'm the most proudest of, man, that's so hard. It's like picking your favorite kid. I'll talk about one. I don't know if it's, I'm the most proudest of it, but I was the most excited about it because mm-hmm. when I told you about it and I told Ash Cash about Shout out to Ash Cash show every Friday. Yeah. Um, and you guys got so excited. I was talking about ways that we can revive black banks. And I talked about using this new wave of apps that we have. So we have Cash App. We have Venmo. We have PayPal. We can pay the money right away. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about why we should be using these apps as a way to attract people to black banks. Because if your problem is capital, if you create an app like this, it incentivizes people to use it. If you connect it to your bank account where people get money faster or they get extra features, it incentivizes even more. And this was just an idea that I talked to these guys about. And they got so excited about it, I pitched it. And I got paid for it. So it's always great when you get paid for writing. And then my passion project, I think, would be my book. So I wrote a book in 2012 called Confessions of a Sucker for Love, which in hindsight probably is not the best written book because I couldn't afford an editor or anything. But you got it done, and that's what matters. Execution. Exactly, yeah. So keep going. Author. Yeah, and it's like, you know, so many people hurry up and wait. They hurry up for someone to discover mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. They hurry up for someone to validate them. They hurry up to for, and wait for somebody to tell them that they mean something. Mm-hmm. And I've just never been one of those people. And I lack patience. That same Jay-Z song. And I hate waiting. I got no patience. And I'm the same way. Like, I don't. I'm going to get it done. And without having any idea how to publish a book, I just went to Google for 45 minutes, found everything I could find, read it and put a book together and I published it and I sold copies not a lot but I sold copies and I'm proud of that because I dived in there I dived into the notion it was dark with no life jacket Mm -hmm. and I said I'm gonna swim and I did love it at the company you work for Citizen Action of New York you went from communications manager to the New York City campaign manager what did it take for you to make such a huge leap in your profession because I remember when you were interviewing for it and everything man so yeah man you know so communications I love communications Communications, but it's mostly writing and social media and the work does not change mm-hmm. you have to think strategically but it's it's really it's not i want to say it's an easier job but it's different mm-hmm. with campaigns i had to shift the entire way that i thought the entire way that i worked and the entire way that, like, that i engaged with other people because i went from being this person who was kind of like behind the scenes writing statements for people writing up ads doing social media coming out with press strategies to the person that's in the front but not only in the front but the, the person who was like helping to think through campaigns and not just like a week long but like six months long one year long two years long to like help us accomplish particular policy goals and i had to become more of a strategic thinker i had to become more mindful of my parents believe it or not you know this is not a good example today but more mindful of my parents <laughs> i had to become a lot more calculated as far as the way that i engage with people in the movement because every relationship means something depending on what you wanted to mean and mm-hmm. also depending on what other people wanted to mean and you have to be cognizant of that so those are all the things that i had to shift and to prepare for that job i don't like to wait 
I came there with a 10-year plan for how I was going to do the job. Because in that kind of position, whereas press is like, we need this, we need that, and you might build a vision around how to get the work done, but it's really you're responding to what people need. And this one, you're the driver. So I, I really had to sit down and be deliberate about what I was trying to build and what I wanted to see. Okay. You're an on-the-ground activist. Uh, what is that life actually like? And have you ever received any harsh threats for the work that you do? <laughs> and if so, how do you keep going in spite of those? So... It's rewarding. It's really, really stressful. It's a lot of emotional labor. Mm -hmm. I have received death threats a lot. Um, you know, not not any more than anyone else. Like other people have gotten it worse, obviously. It's kind of like when you play ball, you're playing on a basketball team and on any team really. And sometimes you got you kind of get caught up in all the side pieces. This teammate is annoying. The coach isn't listening to me. Um, you know, I'm tired from practice, and you got to kind of remind yourself, what are we here for? We're here to win a championship, or very simply, we're here to win the game. Put the ball in the hoop. And sometimes it gets hard to remember that. Mm -hmm. So it's really important who you surround yourself with and what kind of voices are in your ear. Mm -hmm. So the way that I stay focused is once again being grounded in the people because it's really hard to be mad because this elected official caught an attitude with me at the Black Latino Caucus when I'm going to go to Grant Houses and I'm going to talk to Miss James whose son had to work three extra jobs so that he can pay his rent and hers because I'm automatically reminded, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing it for her. Mm, love it. You're amazing with your engagement online. <laughs> <laughs> And you have sometimes even sparked great debates and hurt a couple of feelings. I always say you start <laughs> riots online. But what are some tips that you can give us to increase our engagement with our followers online? It happens to me by accident. I like to talk and I, li I like engagement. I like debate. That's my thing. Like, let's argue. I'm just very, and sometimes to my own detriment, confident in my own opinion, mm -hmm. which can a lot of times be wrong, but I'll put it out there. And I think because you put it out there, you have to acknowledge the fact that consequences may come and some of those consequences will be responses from people. And then also because, you know, I'm stubborn and like I love a good debate, I, I like to go back and forth. It's, it's kind of just blown up into this thing that's bigger than even me sometimes now. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I put up a status. What did I put up? Oh, so it was during the height of the Me Too movement. And all the studies show that 99% of women who report a rape are not lying. And the reason why is because the impacts of lying about that are so big, it's just there's no incentive to lie about it. And then also, you like most women don't report the rape because it's usually someone you know, and those impacts are so big. So I said, if a woman says she's being assaulted, believe her. And that was it. Then I went to a three-hour meeting, and I came back. There were 500 comments on my wall. And like it got ugly and then people it wasn't it was so bad there were several like sub statuses from other people who i hadn't talked to in years they were making they were tagging me too i got phone calls people told me that i need to address some of the comments did you see comment 256 and what he said and i think that was the first time when i realized oh you're not just shouting into the sky people are listening and they're watching and since then i've tried to be more responsible with how i say things because you know respectfully even though i still believe that i should have added way more context to that statement mm -hmm. because you should just add more context to things like that you shouldn't just leave things the days of just putting up stupid things for, for the hell of it and good laughs it's kind of gone to the wind now so. mm -hmm. Okay. You were selected as a Black Enterprise Modern Man of Distinction. How did that come about, and how did you feel after receiving such an award? That was cool. That was like having the work you've been doing for years finally acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So a couple of pieces to that. 
they, they acknowledged me, not even for my activism work, but for my writing work mm-hmm. and for the work that I was doing on a radio show. And I have, inspired by Sana Hansi Coates, who said that he finally stopped having religion around his writing, which meant that he stopped writing so that somebody could be like, oh, you're great, or oh, here's some money, or oh, this is good. And he wrote for himself, and that was it. And he didn't care who listened, who read, who responded. And once he did that, that's when the accolades came in. And that's the way that I've kind of been functioning with my writing, at least, not the podcast. We want listeners. Let your voice be heard every Sunday, 11 to 1 to 12 p.m. When I did that, it was in a space where I wasn't really focused on that. We were just trying to sharpen our skills. And all of a sudden, Black Enterprise was like, hey, you're really good. We want to spotlight you. I got to give Selena Hill, who has been on the show before and is my Absolutely. one of my closest friends and my partner on the radio show. I got to give her props for that because she's always been one of my biggest advocates and she's always talking me up. And I guess in this case of her talking me up, someone listened. <laughs> so give her props for that. But, you know, that was how that happened. It's, it's still a huge honor. Yeah. Shout out to Selena Hill. She's a dynamic, hard, hard, hard working young lady. So really, you know, I have all the respect in the world for her. You have a radio show and podcast. Let Your Voice Be Heard with Selena Hill. You are the editor-in-chief in uh, engineering and some other things for the show. Can you tell us a bit about what the show is about and why it matters to you? So Let Your Voice Be Heard is a show that talks about political and social issues in a way that like young people of color, particularly people of color, but like young millennials really can relate to and understand. And Selena and I did the show in college, but it was like the cafeteria food is making people throw up right. and the cabas are having this really cool party on Friday come. Yo, to the noobs. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, I remember we were out of school and Occupy Wall Street was happening and you turn to CNN or MSNBC or Al Jazeera when it was out, never Fox News. And it just felt like all these people were talking about things that were happening to us and using language that we didn't understand and we couldn't relate to. Mm-hmm. And I was really frustrated about it. And Selena and I hadn't really talked like right after graduation. We both were doing our own things. And one day she reached out to me and she goes, I want to bring back the show. What do you think? And I said, well, I'll do it. But only if you're talking about these things. And she goes, that's exactly what I want to do. Mm. And now I like to believe that our show is a platform for people like the defiant ones, you know, people of color, women, poor people, people who want to start their own stuff, people who want to know what's happening in the world Mm -hmm. without having their eyes glazed over. So we'll we'll talk about the policy of health care and why you can't go straight to Medicare for all. You might need the public option first because you got to create infrastructure. But then in the next breath, we're listening to Cardi B. Because you need that kind of, you need that nuance. Yeah. You need that yin and yang. Okay. Well, now we're going to switch modes. And my question to you is, can you swim? Yeah. Okay. Because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank. (laughs) (laughs) I got three MVPs from the swim team in high school and in college. You do swim. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. So, are you ready? Hello, somebody. All right. What are your goal setting methods and how do you make sure that you're growing every year? Mm. I have a notebook and all I write in it are my yearly goals. So Mm -hmm. a couple days before New Year's, what I usually do is I'll go and look at the previous year and look at the goals that I set for myself. Mm -hmm. I'll look at the assessment points because I'll check in every three months to see where I am. Mm -hmm. Kevin told me that because before I was just waiting a year. And then (laughs) (laughs) now I started doing like every three months, every six months to see where I'm at. I'll like write literally an essay on my why I did not reach this goal, why this didn't happen, how I felt when this went well. Mm-hmm. And then I'll set new goals for myself. Okay. And before it'd be things that were like super huge, so I wouldn't accomplish a lot of them. So I've made them more tangible. And then when I'm done with that, my partner and I, Marilyn, will set goals for ourselves as a couple. So we've started to do that the last two years now. And it's been really good for us. Okay. Top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly. Hmm. I cannot speak enough about, well, you know, I want to say Facebook Live, but Medium is really good too. Mm. So I really love Medium because it, it started off as this outlet so people can put on blogs. But then... 
And they've actually stopped this now, but we snuck in before they did. Well, they will let you host your own website on there. And the reason I like it is because we put our URL on Medium. It's, it has all the Medium aesthetics. Medium does all the maintenance work, but it's super compatible to Facebook and to Twitter. So but because of that, it naturally increases our audience because most people engage on social media. So if you post an article from your website onto Facebook, Facebook will drive down the traffic if it has to leave the website. But because it's on Medium and Medium has a partnership with Facebook, instead, it reads it like it's a Facebook post. So you get all that traffic so i know i just like nerded up a little bit but i'm really a fan of that we need that man i'm gonna go back and listen to it (laughs) (laughs) favorite quote or model that you live by jay-z if you don't give me heaven to raise hell okay favorite or most impactful book that you've read oh the alchemist damn true every year (laughs) every i read that book every year yeah okay three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create their lives stop waiting stop waiting yeah those three things stop waiting stop waiting stop waiting this is a validation nation we're always waiting to be validated by somebody else if i would have waited to be validated about my book i would not be a published author right now Mm. and not only am i a published author i own multiple isbn so i can publish my book whenever i want to absolutely and if like someone wants to go give me you know wants to take the rights of the book to make a movie i get that check Every time I get an idea for a cool domain name, I buy those domains. I've actually sold a domain name and got a little $5,000 a couple years ago because I'm just not waiting. Stop waiting. If you want to do it, shoot your shot. And if you fail, you're still broke like you were yesterday. So what's the difference? Mm, Stop waiting and don't ask for permission. Love it. Okay. What's next for you? Hmm. I think what's next for me, I want to start working on my next book. Okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and I was inspired by this album from Voice of Five Nine called The Book of Ryan, where he did the album after his son interviewed him for a college project. So he finally got to talk to his son about, like, growing up with his brothers, how his father was, and his father was very abusive. You know, it's a very emotionally charging album. My dad is, like, a very interesting person, 78 years old, with a wife and a girlfriend and a side girlfriend on top of that. I have seven brothers, 11 (laughs) sisters. He's a very interesting man from the Caribbean. But, like, I don't really know my dad, and I think it'd be really interesting to write a book just about growing up with someone who he was an ultimate womanizer, super charming, and living this life as an immigrant in America, and how I dealt with that, but then also being able to connect it to his deeper story. So what I'd like to do is sit down with my dad for a couple days and just really interview him and talk to him about his childhood and then use that to put a book together because, you know, we we can't really know where we're going unless we know where we've been. Mm -hmm. And where I've been is right there. He's right there in Queens, so, you know. Right. I'll just talk to him. Love it. Okay. I got to ask this question. How can we support some of the great legislation that you are, you know, helping to bring to New York City? Hmm. One of the easiest ways to support is to call your elected officials when, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about a bill. So if we're talking about marijuana legalization and you live in Brooklyn and say, I don't know, East Flatbush, your elected official is probably going to be, your assembly person is going to be Diana Richardson and your state senator is probably going to be Kevin Parker. Call them. Let them know you want this. A lot of the work that we do is funded by regular people who want to support this work with their dollars and their time. So give some dollars to organizations like Citizen Action of New York. Give some time to organizations like Citizen Action of New York. But give some dollars and time to WHCR, which allows us to share these stories about the policy that we're pushing and the stories of people who are impacted by the policy. Love it. Okay. So 
how can we keep in contact with you? You can follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz, Instagram Stan Fritz, Snapchat Dark Skin Swindle, but I don't really use it. And um, Dark Skin what? Swindle. <laughs> in college, there was this girl that I really liked, and her name was Vanilla Swindle on Twitter. So I changed my name to Dark Skin Swindle. It was a simp move. Never even got with her. But anyways, I liked the name wow. and it stuck. So I, t- but then <laughs> I stuck with it until 2014 when Selena told me you have to change your social media handles if you're going to be doing more political work to your first name. Uh-huh. So I just did that, and then Instagram I just changed it to that. <laughs> Okay. Um, All right. So Create Your Life family, you know where we are right now. Stan, thank you so much for being on. And it is now time for the turnaround. So what does that mean? That means that you are now in control and you do this for a living as well. So you're in control of the interview. You get to ask me any questions that you want to and I have to answer. So Stan, take it away. So for those of you who don't know Kevin personally, he's like Batman, but black. This man is so mission driven. Sometimes it's breathtaking. So how do you keep yourself so focused I don't give myself any other options. I think I heard Will Smith say that you literally, if you have a plan B, then that means that you're not serious about plan A. Mm-hmm. Says something to that effect. Also, mentors. You know, there's there's been times where I've pivoted because I didn't want to do the work. And then on the back end, I ended up either in the same place or seeing that I, I had to do double the work because I didn't want to do the work or I avoided doing the work. So therefore, for me, it's like stay focused. You're going to have to do the hard work, whatever it's going to be. You know what I mean? Be that labor, great or small, do it well or not at all. And and so learning that and really understanding like, hey, you know what? It's going to be hard, but on the other end, it's going to be better. And so that and then voicing my goals and the things that I want to accomplish, then I feel like people are dependent on me or they want me to succeed at it. And so therefore, I become accountable for it. So those are really some of the ways. How has failure forced you to change things up? That is a good question. Failure has, well, I'll, I'll say this first. I don't think that you can fail. The only way to fail is to quit. Challenges are <laughs> by the boatload. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. And what it does is is that I, I listen and I, I look at what it is that I'm doing. I don't believe that you should be the same person three months from now that you are now. So if I have that opportunity to have a challenge or to not something to not be less than ideal, then I try to pivot and learn from it. And I feel like that has really been a way for me to, to shift. Also learning and listening and asking for advice in areas that I am not great in. Yeah. And always being able to step outside of myself, step outside of you know who I may think that I am and say, hey, you know what? I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And I feel like being open to changing and learning are like huge ways in order to continue to become better and to create my life. Product placement over there? Uh, What's the soundtrack to your life? Wow. I need to literally name the songs. At least Give me at least two songs. I would say that it's more so passages from songs. You know, there's this one song. (laughs) I'm just going to keep it a solid with y'all right now. There's this one song by Mac Dre, who's from my neighborhood in California. And he says... Love those who love you, but don't let love, and I'm going to censor out the words, don't let love mess up your vision. How much love did your loved ones have when you was broke or doing time in prison? Mm. Now, I have no ambitions to ever be in prison. However, what I take from that is, is that people might sometimes be related to you, or you might be very close with people and things like that, but no matter what, you need to stay focused. And you also need to be aware of, if you would bend over backwards to break your back for someone, would they push the wheelchair with you in it mm. afterwards? Damn. We should interview. We should interview from the beginning, man. You got some jumps over there. <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually got that from an IG meme, but I just thought that it was so real. And since I was a kid, that always uh, stuck out to me. Tupac Shakur, you know, even a genius asked questions, mm -hmm. right? So always being in that humble state of mind. Man, what other song? It's so many, bro. Like, this is tough because there, there's so many. I mean, I listened to a lot of Tupac growing up. Born through hard times, ghetto child of mine. I wonder if you have to suffer for your father's crimes. Uh, that's a, a, a song. Again, I'm not a criminal. However, what I take from that is, is that so that my child, you know, one day when allowed, to, I mean, when I make it to being married and, you know what I mean, to having a family, that my child can live a clean slate without having to worry about my baggage and the things that I've done. So yeah. I really try to hold myself and carry myself in a in a, the manner of a role model. And I'm not going to lie, you know, I fall short of glory. I'm human at times. And so really being able to admit that to myself and then pivot and make those changes when appropriate. So I, I think that those are some of the things that really, you know, help me. A couple of things for my soundtrack. I feel like I need to do like a whole video about that. Man, listening, get Spotify to cut you a check when you make the playlist too, okay? Right. Okay, cool. Cool. So what does that pivot look like when you, have you ever had to pivot when you didn't feel like you were 100% doing the right thing in the pivot? And what does that look like? Like sometimes like you know you had to pivot, but you're like, damn, I wish I could hold on a little bit longer. I think that sometimes I've had to evaluate what would the, what would the consequence be for holding on longer or do I need to let go? Yeah. And usually when it comes into my mind and I feel it in my gut and I know that I should pivot or start doing things differently and I don't, it doesn't usually end, it, it doesn't <laughs> end up well. And so you really have to be mindful about your internal compass. Yeah. I think that that is one of the biggest things, man. You have to be open and honest with yourself. And to be honest with you, I've actually taken and done a lot of like internal work to make sure that I'm becoming more in tune with who I am and what actually helps me to feel better. Like when I'm around this person, how do I feel when I'm around that person, you know, or when I'm doing particular activities, what works for me, what doesn't, how does my body react? Yeah. Right. When is my energy at its highest? And so when you know those things that you can realize, Hey, you know what? Hanging out and doing X activity is not for me. This doesn't feel good to my soul. And so then you start to pivot. And when it comes to business and things like that, you know, you really have to seek the advice of others in order to really get down. Okay, I should be pivoting. And then there are times where you have to check in with yourself and say, hey, you know what? This is what's happening. And this is how it needs to happen. Yeah. And you just have to stick through it. And, you know, you have to eat mud <laughs> until you get to where you're trying to get to. But essentially, it's a real thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and of course, Mark and Ann are still here. So they want to chime in with the questions. So, Mark, Ann, what you got for us? Yeah, I have a rake of questions, but we'll run out of time. But I want to start with this one because um, I spoke earlier about I love helping role models. And I think you two guys for the last hour have just put out so much honest, good advice and inspiration just through your actions. Mm -hmm. um, my question is, which bit of you, as you try to be vulnerable and honest and yourself, which bit of you do you find the hardest bit to share? Either because the tech doesn't support it or because you still haven't come to terms with figuring out how to be honest about that bit. The hardest thing to share. Uh, to be honest with you, it's a little tough to be vulnerable in itself. Mm. I'm a pretty private person. Like I'll share like certain aspects of myself, but I'll admit that there are definitely certain areas of Kevin that I'm still working on and in that just how I process certain things and you know I, I'm a person who can literally be here today and go on tomorrow like I, I can kind of fly by the seat of my pants and so really understanding that and kind of sensing and being stable I guess is, is something that I don't really talk about that much but you know I get an idea that oh you know what I, I could move here or I can do this or I can do that you know I get those ideas all the time and there there are areas that I feel like I need to improve in. Alright if I, if I can keep going for another question and mm -hmm. um, I feel like you don't make any mistakes that you regret you're using them to learn so you're mm -hmm. constantly learning from what some people from the outside might call mistakes but do you ever look back and can you point to one time where you think if I'd been a better listener like people were telling me this or that mentor told me and I just didn't listen the right way mm -hmm. and probably that whole load of pain or time waste could have been avoided is there any oh, absolutely. One example you could yeah so to? I had the opportunity to go and play professional basketball 
overseas when I graduated from college and I didn't go. I didn't even go to the trial. Wow. And my god brother was telling me, dude, go and work out. I wasn't working out or anything, but I would go to the gym and play against these guys who had contracts and I would be like killing them. But I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. Wow. And I that's an opportunity that I wish I would have taken advantage of. Another one, nah, I would probably say that's probably one of the bigger ones. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> Is that I should have gone. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. And that's <laughs> Well, so, I'm glad you're here with us today. Yeah. We wouldn't be here if you and that's that's the other thing, right? I, like you said, it's just lessons learned, you know. And again, you know, just put your best foot forward and be very diligent about what it is that you want to do. And I bet that's made you be less hesitant when other opportunities come your way now these days. Absolutely. Just quicker to just, like you said. So, just one quote I always live by is Oscar Wilde, and he said, Experience is simply what wise men give to their mistakes. That was what they call them. Mm. Mm. Stick I love with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, and Thanks, Mark. And Stan, thank you so much for being on the show here today. Beautiful people, we will catch you next week. Be blessed. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create vita. Create your life. On You better create your life. <laughs> Create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life.